Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 88, IFL-XFL Combine. This episode is brought to you by our friends at True Victory. If you are not perfect, if you have ever struggled, if you have ever failed, if you have ever been the underdog, if you have ever doubted yourself or been doubted by others, if you want to get better, be better, and make our world better, this is the perfect brand for you. Founded by U.S. military veterans, True Victory is a sportswear and streetwear brand dedicated to building everyday champions on and off the field. True Victory is not simply a company, they're a cause. Its purpose is to transform lives and elevate humanity through the power and unity of sports, positive stories, and serving others. They are dedicated to the game, the grind, and the globe. But most importantly, they are dedicated to you. If you want to strive for something better while proudly showing others your determination, grit, and supporting people like yourself, Check out the True Victory Shop by simply clicking on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code PLAYER54 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. This past week was another week of XFL developments. As the offseason progresses and we enter August, we had another significant week of developments for the XFL. In addition, XFL News Hub journalist and Hula Bowl scout Evan Wilsmore joins the show to discuss the IFL to XFL Combine in Henderson, Nevada. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On August 1st, the XFL began selling 2024 season tickets for six of its eight teams. For the time being, the Houston Roughnecks and Vegas Vipers will continue to only accept season ticket deposits. Also on August 1st, during the Arlington City Council meeting, Mayor Jim Ross honored the 2023 XFL champions by proclaiming August 1st as Arlington Renegades Day. On August 4th, the Indoor Football League to XFL Combine took place in Henderson, Nevada. This event delivered on the league's partnership, which was previously announced last October. Prior to this event, players were encouraged to pursue playing opportunities in the IFL. Excluding players from those competing in the IFL championship game, more than 200 IFL performers were given the opportunity to have XFL staff evaluate them and consider them for this fall's draft. As I had previously mentioned, I will now be joined by XFL News Hub journalist as well as Hula Bowl scout Evan Wilsmore to discuss the IFL to XFL combine in Henderson, Nevada. Welcome, Evan. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the IFL-XFL Combine, and perhaps maybe a little bit more. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, it was a great event. Um, was out there yesterday in Las Vegas. Yeah, ultimately just a good time. I'm excited to dive into it. I think there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, worth going over, and I was really one of the only, I think, true media people on the ground there, if you want to put it that way. Um, not that I don't do other things in my in my time with football, but yeah, it, ultimately, I, I thought it was a, a success, if you want to hear my honest thoughts and opinion. Yeah, we'll dive into that here shortly. I always think it's important because everybody's journey is unique, but I think you are one of the more intriguing members of the alternative football media. So before we dive into the IFL-XFL Combine conversation, 
I believe it would be beneficial if you took a moment to share to some of my listeners who may not be aware of who you are and what your work is and entails. If you could just take a moment, here's your soapbox and get up there and, and just kind of share a little bit about yourself and your backstory. Right on. So, I mean, if you want a bit of an introduction for me, obviously my name is Evan. I think that's known. Um, I've been doing this now for about good two years, you know, writing about alternative leagues specifically, uh, started with the CFL, uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, during the season where they came back from COVID. Um, I'd watched the CFL before that and the XFL, you know, every league I, I was, I really started just being a fan of all those in probably 2019 with the AAF. Um, and then was obviously watching a couple others after that, like I said, but yeah, started really covering stuff in 2021, you know, at the CFL. And then from that kind of transitioned on to a bit of USFL in the 2022 season, but then I don't know, that didn't last too long. I just kind of, you know, there's a couple reasons for that. One of them was I, I went away on this really long trip during the season, you know, and, and then I kind of came back and things were winding down by that point. And I just could kind of lost a lot of the momentum that I built up. Not that I had a ton going in anyways. It was kind of a, a, a weird time because I was more focused on the XFL, which eventually came around in, I want to say June of last year. So now I've been covering that um, pretty much exclusively now for, for over a year. I've, I've, stepped away i think a bit from you know cfl usfl stuff i still i mean i'm happy to talk about that anytime of course but you know i was like once i you know started covering the xfl last year i was pretty you know committed uh, to that and yeah ever since then you know i've been doing stuff uh for the houston roughnecks was out there last year at all the games at least home games so you might uh recognize me from that if you were in houston at the time but yeah now we're here um now you know, I, uh, I'm continuing to cover XFL and, you know, we'll see how long this lasts. We'll see, uh, how long it, it goes for. Um, and I've got a couple other things going on too. Um, you know, I do scouting work for the Hula Bowl, uh, one of the collegiate all-star games. Obviously, you know, you talk about Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, you know, there's Hula Bowl there too. And then, yeah, uh, I think that's about it for, for me. Draft diamonds. Yeah, that too. That too. Um, those are kind of intertwined with the Hula Bowl though. I do interviews for those guys, um, you know, on, on some of the smaller school prospects. And a couple of those guys have since gone on. You know, a lot of them end up going on to the, the alternate football space now as opposed to the NFL, which I kind of found out, you know, from last year's cycle. And then this year there were a lot of uh, guys that I was familiar with. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, now, now they're in. Now there's so many leagues and options, right? It's It's, you know, there's more pathways for these people to have a pro career. Seeing you were in attendance for the IFL-XFL Combine in Henderson, Nevada, I must pick your mind here a little bit. So, you know, looking at social media, there really wasn't much coming out from the XFL accounts or some of the XFL staff accounts. But I did happen to see that Jose Jefferson from the San Antonio Brahmas was in attendance due to some of the IFL social media accounts. So I guess seeing you were the boots on the ground to kind of share with us, what did you kind of see from the XFL camp here? Obviously, we knew the IFL people were front and center, and this is really probably who was putting on the event more than anybody else. But you can kind of give us that lay of the land before we dive into the the combine itself. Absolutely, yeah, no, and and you're definitely right, Mike, in terms of social media presence. The XFL um, went quiet pretty much; that they didn't really say anything about the event. Uh, I know the IFL account on Twitter had a couple posts. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, this was more geared, I think, towards the IFL, given that there was, you know, IFL players that like, were the ones that were attending. This was about them. Um, so, again, more IFL lenient there. But, yeah, um, I will say 
in terms of XFL people that were on the ground, uh, I was told there was supposed to be eight people there. Um, and I assume that meant a rep from each team. Um, I didn't exactly get clarification from that or on that. But yeah, so Jose Jefferson was there. He was definitely the guy that was uh, making his rounds. He was very, um, I guess, a prominent figure, very popular figure, uh, because, you know, the IFL guys knew who he was. <clears throat> so he was there from the Brahmas. And then um, I think they had Will Lewis there, too, um, who also works for the Brahmas. Uh, Jose Jefferson is the DTO, uh, Director of Team Operations. And then Will Lewis, if I'm not you know, mistaken his name, um, I'm pretty sure it's Will Lewis, was the Director of Player Personnel. Um, so those two were working in a tandem. And then Dave Bowler was there, too, from St. Louis. And that was the one that not a lot of people talked about. The St. Louis Director of Player Personnel, uh, Dave Bowler, was in attendance. You know, those were the two. So... You know, the two prominent figures really were Jose Jefferson and Dave Bowler. Um, I did not see any other teams represented. Now, there were some people there, you know, in unmarked attire. You know, obviously, like Dave was wearing his St. Louis stuff. Um, you know, Jose and Will had their Brahma stuff on. There were a couple guys, you know, in unmarked clothing that could have been, you know, team reps uh, from the XFL. Um, but I just know a lot of guys are busy right now. I mean, even David Dykeman wasn't there. And uh, he was someone that I definitely thought would be there because I heard that he was kind of, you know, the one that really planned this behind the scenes and, and kind of, you know, really got the ball rolling on this. Um, I could be mistaken, um, but I, I do think he had somewhat of a, a crucial role in kind of, you know, really making this happen as opposed to it just being a, a fun and interesting idea. So that's kind of where I stand on the the XFL side of it. We'll get more again, yeah, into the IFL side of it later because there were more uh, prominent figures, I think, from that league um, in attendance, you know, doing their thing. Um, but yeah, ultimately, the XFL presence wasn't large. And uh, I don't know how that necessarily made the players feel. Uh, I didn't really ask them about that specifically. I was just more, you know, doing my rounds, kind of talking to players in more of a friendly fashion than sitting there interrogating them. But yeah, man, that's, I think that that's what it is. You know, it was, um, you know, a couple guys made it, a couple guys didn't. I will say the last thing on this uh, for now, Vaughn Hutchins, I think, was supposed to be there, but decided last minute that he wasn't going. I think he had something pop up. Um, that was what I heard from someone there in attendance. Again, wasn't exactly a huge XFL rep, and there wasn't a huge presence um, on social media from them, really none at all. But I will say, like, you know, people were paying attention, and, and Jose Jefferson was really locked in the entire time. Him and Dave, like, they, you know, they weren't just sitting there you know, chatting it up or whatever. I mean, they were working, you know, they were talking to guys and they definitely had a couple of players that they were interested in for sure. It's just, it's interesting because it's another event, right? And what we see, you believe tends to be a blueprint for how they're going to proceed moving forward. But I guess I'm not overly surprised because I'll go back to 2022 at the Florida showcase in Bradington, Florida that I attended. And I happen to, notice that not all the head coaches were in attendance. I'm like, well, this seems like a missed opportunity, right? You know, it, but then Vegas Vipers head coach at the time, Rod Woodson said, well, you know, we have this thing called film and he's, he was kind of being very lightheartedly joking, but like he's being really honest that we're all working together to compile the best information we can and we're sharing it. It's all an information gathering stage, which I thought, okay, in the lead up to the first year kind of makes sense. And then you kind of look at how they have all that technology, you know, in the lead up of those showcases, it was breakaway data. And this time around with the XFL and the combine, it was vault. So I'm just kind of also curious with the lay of land, how similar this may have been. Did you see more of the technology setups with cameras 
we have seen in other XFL showcases and combines, or was it a tad bit different? It's a great question, Mike. I was at the XFL Arizona showcase last year, so I can kind of, you know, draw a, a better comparison as well, um, since I was on the ground for both events. I will say it was similar. Now, they didn't necessarily, yeah, I think there was, um, you know, less cameras, things like that. Again, less of a general media presence. Uh, but the idea was still there. Like it was a player showcase. They were doing testing. Um, you know, you had players, uh, wearing, they had these, um, you know, IFL, XFL, uh, t shirts with a number on them, kind of like how everyone had those sort of black and white jerseys, if you recall from the showcases last year and this year too. So they, they kind of had a similar setup with that. Everyone had a number, you know, they had different stations, um, you know, where you could get, you know, numbers in. And then they did like drills later on, you know, classic like O-line, you know, D-line, receiver, DB, you know, they had a separate uh, quarterback area with some receivers, you know, but but it was ultimately, yeah, like they they had it broken up pretty well. And I think everyone got a fair chance. Now, the one thing that was interesting was there was a lot more players there than I expected. I think the IFL said uh, a hair over 200 uh, were in attendance. And I kind of thought it would only be, you know, a handful from, you know, each team. But you got to remember the IFL is a, what, 14-team league? So, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you're bringing, I can't do math to save my life. But if you, you know, you've got 14 teams and you're bringing in, what, eight people from, you know, each team, that's I don't know how much that is, but, you know, somewhere that's over a hundred already. Um, and I was already thinking that was kind of much, that was kind of, I had expected about eight from each team, but clearly there was more interest and clearly, you know, some teams were, were very well represented there. Now I will say the one thing that I was told that again, this is not something that you would know if you weren't there. So Sioux Falls and Bay Area, the, the two teams that are in the IFL championship game today, you know, the day that we're recording this August 5th, those guys weren't at the at the combine because they had, you know, to, to do, um, you know, prep for what, uh, for their game. There were Sioux Falls people in attendance, um, no, Bay Area, no Bay Area people from what I could see, but there were Sioux Falls people, Sioux Falls, excuse me, uh, players there from my understanding. Now, again, with 200 players, None of these guys were wearing anything, the players, not the coaches, but none of these players were wearing anything, you know, that really signified um, what team they were a part of, you know, because they had their their IFL, XFL shirts on. Uh, so you'd really have to ask around and see, like, you know, which, you know, guys were a part of what team if you didn't already know them. Like, there were a couple guys there that I'd known previously, and that was good to see, you know, in terms of the player turnout and the ultimately what your question was, you know, the comparison between the XFL showcase and this event, I'd say it was pretty similar. Again, attendance wise, even, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people were at the XFL showcases last year and this year, but I had heard it was about, you know, 200 or maybe like 150, you know, a healthy number for sure. Yeah. So again, there was just these little tidbits about uh, not having, from my understanding, again, Sioux Falls or Bay Area guys there. Apparently they might have a separate event after the championship game, uh, just so those guys don't miss out. Um, I'd have to get clarification on that. But yeah, I mean, again, very, very healthy player turnout and really any notable player in the IFL that you wanted to see or talk to is there. Like they had TJ Edwards from Frisco, who was the league MVP. You know, he was there um, again, plenty of other, you know, notable figures, you know, all IFL team members, um, offensive, defensive player of the year type guys, um, things like that, for sure. It's interesting that you kind of 
you segued right into what my next question was going to be because I was going to say, according to the IFL website, there was more than 200 players in participation. And I didn't do the math ahead of time like you, you kind of alluded to. So we're just kind of off the cuff having this conversation. But I had known because I was in contact with a couple of players. So I was going to try to get a player on the show to talk about, from a player point of view, their participation at the Combine as well. And I was told that anybody that was playing in the championship, their team, would not be available for this event. So when I saw the 200 players, it kind of, I was like, that must have been almost everybody on the roster for all the teams that didn't make it. The people that make the postseason or even the, the two semifinalists that did not advance to the championship. So I'm like, okay, well, essentially, aside from those competing in today's event, everyone's going to be on display for the XFL, which is kind of a good thing, I guess, right? Because the whole partnership that was announced back in October of 2022, a lot of us had thought, okay, well, how is this really going to materialize? Right. Okay. Yeah. It's probably encouraging players to go sign with the IFL that don't make the cut for the XFL. But what do they get back in return other than coaching, reps, film? Right. If they think, okay, well, this is supposed to be a partnership with the XFL. So this probably is it. Is that everyone got a shot in front of somebody, whether it's the film's going to be then brought back to the table because, you know, you mentioned David Dykeman. And from what I saw from his social media accounts is that he was in L.A. with the Chargers for their their camp. So that took him to whatever previous commitments they probably had looking at who is those guys going to get cut that don't make the 53-man rosters, you know, come this fall, which is actually just a couple of weeks away. Those So they're probably looking, preparing for that draft. So I had a whole question set up. So you kind of perfectly segued in it. And you kind of shared that because it does. It seemed like everyone was in, in attendance. And I mean – in your opinion, is that a good thing? I, I think for the players, right? But I mean, for the league, does it just seem like overkill? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. So just as much as there were, you know, MVP quarterbacks there and, you know, special teams player of the year guys there, Charles Heaton specifically, um, things like that. You know, you also had a lot of backup quarterbacks and guys that maybe only played in a handful of IFL games, um, you know, joined late in the season or whatever, because the IFL has a lot of turnover. That's what makes the league very difficult from a personnel perspective. Is it a good or bad thing? I mean, I think it's always good to have more players, but the only kind of concern I had was, you know, Jose Jefferson and Dave Bowler were really the only like notable XFL guys that I could point out. And I think the players felt the same way. And part of me feels like maybe those guys were overwhelmed, especially Jose. I mean, him and uh, Will, like they were just, you know, they had players coming up to him left and right. I was going to go talk to Jose, but honestly, I didn't even get a chance to. I talked to Will for like maybe two minutes and then, you know, a player came over and I kind of had to, you know, let that slide because obviously he's trying to do his job and, you know, all praise to him. Those guys, you know, work their tail off. But yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like if there were more XFL reps there, um, you know, personnel people, again, maybe there were, maybe there weren't. Again, I, I just from where I was and I mean, I had a pretty, I kind of had free access. I could walk around wherever. I mean, I wasn't seeing you know, teams like the Guardians or the, you know, even the the Vipers represented, which a lot of people were asking about, um, because, of course, you know, the Vegas team, um, you know, you'd think you'd have somebody there, you know, who could just, you know, like, if you're already on the ground in Vegas, why not? But again, like, I, I think because, you know, Vegas is having a staff turnover, that, that might play a role in it. Um, but I didn't ask any questions about that. So, again, getting back to my point, you know, just having only so many identifiable personnel guys there 
I think, you know, made their job a bit harder and just made it, I, I don't know, like if there was more XFL personnel people there, I think the players could have, you know, had more time to spread out and talk to the team reps that they wanted to. Because um, some guys are from, you know, certain parts of the country. Like they want to play for a certain team. Like I was talking to a player there who had been in camp with the Sea Dragons and uh, he was saying, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Texas guy. So I really wanted to, uh, you know, play for Houston or Arlington, you know, because I think he's from the Dallas area. But he said, you know, Houston was an intriguing team, you know, and he didn't specifically say anything like I wish those guys were here to, you know, evaluate me. But you could kind of tell it was it was getting to that point. It was like, well, if there was, you know, someone I could talk to here from the team specifically, it would make my life a lot easier and it would make me feel like maybe I achieved something more. So, again, that's not to say that this wasn't a successful event. I think that there was a lot of hard work put in behind the scenes that just hasn't been seen because this wasn't really promoted through social media. But but ultimately, yeah, I mean, I, I did expect a couple more reps to be there. Um, the fact that any DPP turned up, I think, was good. So to have two out there, um, you know, really showed that, like, at least someone had been alerted about it. But the reality is, yeah, I think a lot of – I think timing plays a role here, too, because you have guys like David Dykeman. And I know a couple of other personnel guys were at NFL, you know, training camps, you know, trying to find players that could possibly be in the XFL next year. So it's kind of an awkward situation where it's like – you know, are you going to go sacrifice a visit to an NFL training camp to go attend, you know, an IFL combine event um, with X many players, you know, which might be overwhelming. And, you know, it's the first time this thing's ever done. So there's a lot more questions to this event in that regard, um, as opposed to something, again, like an NFL training camp. Everyone knows how that works, obviously, you know, those have been around forever. And I, I think that's a great way, you know, to, to evaluate players. So yeah, again, I can't fault anybody here for not turning up to an IFL combine, but at the same time, I, I think a lot of players, again, expected a, a, a larger XFL presence, maybe. Yeah, I'm not going to try to read too much into it because technology, right? If there's data to be had and if there's some eyes and there's going to be some notes, whether it's Bowler, Jose, Will, and that's going to be shared. The league has been pretty transparent, I think, and fair across the board in all these events. So it's not like these guys are just stuffing information in their back pocket for themselves. And obviously these guys have tape, they have film that anybody can go back on. And maybe this event was recorded so that everybody could go back and watch it in some way. You know, we had the onion, the layers peeled back a little bit for the XFL combine. And I know we saw a little bit more from a fan perspective when they broadcast it, but it doesn't mean that something wasn't filmed in some way, you know, cameras maybe set up for these, particular stations just to see how people perform so i mean it it would be a little bit unfair for you know even myself as i'm kind of asking the questions to allude that maybe th th there was missed opportunities because any opportunity to get in front of anybody and any data points are always going to be beneficial so you know obviously the players had that opportunity but seeing that you kind of missed out on being able to connect with some more of the xfl personnel so maybe this question is a little bit unfair i didn't know if, if any buzz was surrounding a couple key players out of this, you know, they do have their film. So we already have our own interpretations of what we've seen from people coming in, but anything that the event itself might've sparked for any particular key players. You know, I, I think what this comes to really is the players. I mean, there were some of them there, you know, that have already been in the XFL. Um, so there is a bit of a familiarity aspect. Like David Tolentino is someone I know pretty well you know, is with the Roughnecks towards the end of the season, you know, had been cut during training camp, you know, kind of went back home for a couple of weeks. And then he, you know, ended up playing at the end of the season. 
And then after the XFL season was over, he came out here to San Diego to play for the Strike Force, where he was playing before, um, which was actually unknown to me at the time. So he was playing there. And then, like I said, there was a guy from the Sea Dragons. There was a guy that I think had been in Battlehawks camp. And then there were a couple others that I, again, didn't get to talk to um, just because there were so many players there and it was a bit chaotic. And um, we'll, we'll get to the the weather aspect even maybe later if you really want to get into some specific stuff. But no, I think saying it's a missed opportunity, I don't know if guys necessarily felt that way. I mean, again, for them to even, you know, just work out in front of any XFL rep doesn't really matter the number. I think to them, you know, a lot of them, you know, that was just a key thing because these guys, you know, some of them maybe have never had that opportunity before. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, yeah, there's been some guys that were, you know, in the XFL, maybe even in the NFL at one point, you know, prior to their IFL experience. But, um, you know, there's definitely some guys who I think, you know, just kind of started playing in the IFL and they've never experienced pro football beyond that. Um, so, so this was definitely more of a, a big event uh, for them. And you could tell, I mean, some guys, you know, were a bit more passionate about it where as others, you know, maybe were a bit more laid back, you know, just kind of going through the day. And that's at every kind of event that I've been to, you know, certain players, I think with a higher pedigree, you know, might not take things as seriously because they've already been in front of so many, you know, key executives or other individuals, you know, where, who can, you know, really evaluate their film the right way. So they don't feel it's almost the need of urgency, Mike, if, if you know what I'm saying, where these guys are like, you know, this is my opportunity. This is my one shot. Um, you know, cause these guys, especially this IFL, um, XFL combine event, you know, they paid out of pocket to be there. Um, so there was some guys who wanted to go, but just couldn't afford it. Um, depending on where they were in the country and, you know, you got to stay overnight, um, that type of thing. And at least a lot of cases, you know, so th- there's that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, ultimately, again, I say this was a success because even if there were some things that were maybe a bit different than what I expected going in, you know, these players, I mean, yeah, like there, there were still, you know, people there watching them and I, I would expect, yeah, I would expect some of these guys, again, Jose Jefferson was directly talking to a lot of these players. Um, so I would expect some of them to get, you know, certain opportunities. And again, not just for these teams that were represented, Brahma's Battlehawks, but, you know, other teams, you know, because again, like you said, Mike, there's a technology aspect to where they can still retrieve that data. And if they really are interested in a certain IFL player, I'm sure they can have them, you know, going into camp next year. So with this door being open between the IFL, XFL, we don't know what type of door that is. We don't know if it's a single door, French doors that open both ways, but an avenue. How likely do you think we see a number of players coming from this IFL combine to actually making it to at least camp. Let's not put them on the active roster for XFL teams, but they actually get a place in camp, not just a, an additional workout. Do you, do you get any feel for like anything in your conversations with people, or do you just kind of do you have a gut feeling yourself from what you're seeing? That maybe we could see maybe at least a couple players per team dig a little bit deeper because we do know the XFL expanded this offseason roster to 90 players. It's a good question too. I don't, I'm not sure if I can give you a specific number, but I will say, you know, the, the off season roster expansion, um, is definitely key, you know, for a league like this and for a partnership to survive. I mean, just going off topic here for a quick minute during last season and even before that, I had kind of visioned the IFL XFL partnership as more of a marketing thing. Like I know at the Renegade Stadium, um, Choctaw there in Arlington at the hub, um, they were advertising, you know, like Frisco fighters games. 
Um, again, more of a partnership advertising type deal. But they are trying to sell this more now as a player personnel type partnership or whatever you want to call it. Again, so having something like a combine, you know, is definitely going to, you know, push that point home. And I think ultimately, you know, what determines, you know, how successful this event was is if the number of guys from the IFL in camp this year increased from last year because the XFL did draft a handful of IFL guys. Now, it wasn't very many. So I do think that number, it's not going to be hard to, you know, top it this year. But still, you know, the XFL drafted a handful of IFL guys. I remember one of them was uh, Jaquan Artis to the Roughnecks from Northern Arizona, uh, who was, you know, defensive player of the year, like probably the best all-around player in the IFL, you know, had several awards for the 2022 season, uh, won the championship with the Northern Arizona Wranglers. Now, he didn't make it past camp. I'm not sure if any of those IFL guys made it past camp. Again, I don't have those numbers in front of me, you know, how many guys were drafted in camp, et cetera, whatever. But I do think with that roster expansion, that's what's really key here. And that is almost what's going to keep Again, in my opinion, you know, the IFL-XFL personnel partnership going, because if you only have 70, I think, you know, that's a number where you're you're probably just going to favor, you know, younger college guys. But with 90, I mean, that's when you have to, I mean, you're pulling an extra 20 players. You have to get those from somewhere. And that might be not necessarily a conventional method. So you're going to look at a league like the IFL and be like, hey, like there's actually some guys here you know, they can come in and try and, you know, fight for a spot. So again, I do expect that number to increase from last year. And I think that is what will determine whether or not this event in particular was successful. And I say that because, you know, there were a lot of guys there that I think still had some doubt as to whether or not they were going to get a call from the XFL, because I think some of them expected it to happen last year. And, you know, I was telling guys, I mean, this is just my personal opinion again, but it would be really cool and it would be really, I think, important too. I mean, we're talking about, you know, really just camp invites for the most part here. But in my opinion, I think it would be really cool to, you know, get a couple of these guys on the active roster. Now, that number, I'm sure, will be pretty small if there was, you know, none or maybe one last year. Um, you know, can you get to two or three this year? Like, we'll see. But that would still be an accomplishment. And again, just getting guys into camp, I think, I mean, <laughs> the brand of this league is the league of opportunity, right? So just getting guys in the camp, while it might not, you know, on paper necessarily be anything too big. And, you know, I don't know, certain players might look at that in certain ways. You know, I would still say that that's pivotal. And, you, you know, these guys, even if they don't make it onto XFL final or active rosters, they can still, you know, get this advanced level of coaching in these XFL camps and then bring that back to their IFL teams and have heightened experience. And perhaps it makes their IFL season better. Um, and that was something I brought up yesterday as well. So that and then the last thing I really talk about this um, in terms of, you know, IFL guys going to the XFL. Personally, I think guys who have already been in the XFL last season might have a bit of a preference. Like I know, David Tolentino was talking to a couple of the reps because they knew who he was, right? Like he had played against these teams before. So guys like that, you know, there's that familiarity aspect where you might feel a bit more comfortable bringing a guy in. It's it's sort of like in the NFL where you might have a guy that you cut at the end of the preseason, but then you have a regular season injury to one of your better players. And then you prefer to bring this guy in who you cut during camp because, again, there's that familiarity aspect. You've been in the building with him. You already know what he can do. And ultimately, that's just a lot of that's more safe than anything else, because if you bring in somebody that's unproven, you know, it takes longer to kind of get acclimated to the system, you know, get to know people, everything like that. 
So, yeah, that, that's kind of just one final thought that I had on that topic. Again, I, I don't want to stray too far from your question. So to just wrap this up, uh, I think, yeah, you know, I expect the number of IFL to XFL guys to increase um, definitely in camp, you know, active roster. We'll see. But ultimately, either way, there's still a lot of benefit to just getting those guys into camps, I think. And, and people aren't going to talk about that. So I, I feel like it's definitely worth bringing up. So this next question really doesn't have a direct tie to the combine itself. But I, it's just something that kind of sits in the back of my mind. And I obviously haven't heard anything from anybody. So it could just be me kind of thinking of something. So bear with me. You know, we we saw in the lead up to 2023, we saw a little bit of a difference as to how the teams, the XFL teams, had built their rosters. And, you know, very notably, the Orlando Guardians had went a very arena or indoor route. You know, they had a significant number. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. Well, I mean, depending how you look at record-wise, things didn't go well. But I don't know if that was the problem. I think there was a lot of self-inflicted wounds as far as, you know, just penalties that really kind of hurt the team at times and self-discipline as far as players. And obviously, a rookie head coach, there's a couple of things that had to be shifted out, but they became a competitive team. I guess what I'm getting at is knowing that they were a very open-minded in the arena and indoor you know, aspect and actually put not only drafted, but brought players in. Do you think that is any sort of a stigma that any of these other teams and coaches are going to be like, hmm, maybe we don't go so much this route? Because, I mean, it does seem to be unfair because, like you are mentioning, there's a good number of guys that were either in camp or had those workouts. I mean, Cecil Cherry, you know, Michael Benajo. I mean, you could just keep going down the line. Oh, guys, you haven't mentioned yet, just to share so the listeners have an understanding, like, Everyone in the IFL just isn't like somebody else that the league hasn't been aware of. A lot of these guys either have come in through workouts in training camp or were part of a team and got cut like you had alluded to. So do you think there would be any sort of stigma or is that just kind of like, ah, just a, a lone situation that it's kind of, we're past that. This is a bit of a complex question. I mean, I think, you know, it's unfair. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, look, I, I get it. I mean, you're asking the right stuff for sure, but you know, some things are going to be harder to answer than others. Um, you know, stigma, I think, you know, if you're talking about a stigma in regards to like bringing in IFL players, I think teams will, they, they want to give guys opportunities. They want to be fair. They want to be well-rounded, but you have to keep in mind, you know, the evaluation process this year is much different than last year. And you might've already mentioned that at the top of your question. Now, like it's so much different because you have so many guys that you want to bring back and re-sign. It's obviously not going to be all of them. I mean, hell, you look at the XFL transaction pays, they've already released and moved on from a lot of of guys. And, you know, I'm talking about every team in in that aspect. So, but, but still like there's going to be guys that you want to bring back because they performed well last season. You want them in the XFL for another year. And that kind of limits the number of spots, despite what we said earlier, where there's an increase, you know, in training camp, like they are trying to get more guys in to get reps, to get opportunity, to get film, whatever it be. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think, you know, it's a bad thing. Like, if anything, I think it's positive if a DPP of a certain team says, okay, well, you know, I want to bring this IFL guy in, you know, just because I really like him. And I, you know, I view him equally to a player you know, that we're bringing in from the college level, like an undrafted free agent from the 23 class, you know, we've been seeing a lot of their names pop up through these 
rights claims and, and rookie drafts and everything like that. Do I think there's a, a bad stigma around that? No, but I also think it's one that needs to grow. Like, I, I do think there is still a bit of hesitation about, you know, bringing certain IFL guys in just because it, the reality is, and this is a bit more of a technical thing than a personnel thing, but the IFL is a different game. You know, you're coming from indoors, like smaller field, faster paced. Like, there are certain players, in my opinion, that I think are just designed better for arena football um, than outdoor football. And, and maybe that causes a bit of hesitation. But ultimately, look, like I saw guys yesterday that, you know, were in the IFL that could easily play outdoor football. And all of these guys really have. They're coming from college, whatever. But I'm talking about they could play outdoor football again at the professional level. So that was promising, I think, and, and really intriguing. And again, the best way to do these sort of evaluations is if you're there in person, you know, you're on the ground, you're, you're looking with your own eyes. Um, yeah, I mean, again, we've talked about the technology films. Great. You have access to a lot of stuff you didn't used to. But even then, like, I feel like Jose Jefferson and Dave Bowler, like, now I don't know if this prediction is going to be accurate or not, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. You know, perhaps they bring in a higher quantity of IFL guys because they were on the ground at this event. And they have the most IFL guys that go on to be successful, whether that's, you know, in the XFL or back in the IFL after they've spent time in those XFL camps. So, right, again, complex question. I'm, I'm going off on a bit of a, um, a couple different routes here, as I always do. But, you know, ultimately, stigma, if we're, we're sticking to that, it's a mixed bag, really. I, I personally don't think it's a bad one. But I do think there could be some improvement still, even with the development of all these combines and, and things like that. To kind of, I know we keep talking about rookies and stuff like that, because that's what usually floods into some of these other leagues. And yeah, I got some guys are still just trying to tread water to keep their career afloat in the IFL. And, you know, recently in an article in the Orlando Sentinel, Terrell Buckley has stated how they took a certain approach, very young to try to build for the future type of situation. And he said, didn't quite go as he thought it had gone. So he's going to look for a little bit more veteran players, which could bode well for the Cecil cherries and whatnot, right? These guys that were in camps in workouts and now they're back down, but they've been around now enough to know what it means to be a professional. And that's kind of important for a team that is conducting business in a professional league. And so maybe that's what helps guys like Cecil cherry. And, and whatnot, or even guys have just been in the IFL that maybe not broke into the XFL, the USFL, the CFL yet, because they've been professional. They know what it means to go home. They're not in a, you know, a dorm. We know that everyone lives a little bit differently in Arlington because it's a hub. But I mean, like just how to conduct yourself off, you know, you don't have classes and stuff to, you know, you got to kind of tie up your own time and make sure you're doing things a certain way. So maybe it does move well for some of these guys because they have already been in a professional setting. So, I mean, I can play it both ways and I'm not trying to play the double-edged sword, but that's kind of like, I just thought I'd kind of get your feel for, you know, maybe what the, you know, what you're seeing from some of these players and the conversations around some other people, because, you know, I could see it both ways and I don't want to ignore what could be a factor one way or the other. Right. I mean, the, the reality is, you know, when you're taking a guy from the IFL, the IFL, despite you know, what many people think it's still professional football, you know, you're still getting played to, to play football. And I mean, in terms of the level, I mean, that that's something that, you know, can be debated like competition level, everything like that. It, it might not be on par with college, but, but you're totally right. Like in, it, college is a completely different game compared to the IFL. And that's not just, 
you know, setting wise, like between the the size of the field and everything, but it also has to do with, you know, again, like there's a different culture around college football. You know, if you bring in a guy straight out of college, who's maybe just been in an NFL camp, crazy part is like, even if he played at a big college, say like where I go, LSU, you know, it comes from out, comes out from LSU. Even then, like, yeah, I mean, you know, that's a very professional level of football, even if it's not, I mean, again, it's college, but I mean, we all know how these SEC schools operate, you know, power five in general, the college football landscape is changing so vastly so quickly nowadays. I don't even know what's what, uh, but we'll save that conversation for another time. You know, don't, don't get me started on that anyway. Um, no. So I think if you're like compared to bringing in a guy from LSU and then you're bringing in a guy from the IFL, the reality is even if, you know, LSU, like that's, you know, that carries way more of, of like a brand name. And that guy might have more experience at the college game. It's it's still a different level of football compared to the IFL. You know, and I'm not saying that, I'm definitely not saying that a guy that comes out of LSU uh, isn't talented um, compared to someone, you know, coming from the IFL. Because um, I, I do think the IFL, like, yeah, I mean, that's a, again, the, the quality of play there, level of play, level of competition, whatever you want to call it, is lower, I think, than some maybe levels of college football that's i haven't watched enough ifl tape and games to make that conclusion yet but i'm I'm just guessing here and i'm sure that's something that, that's debated frequently too but ultimately you know you bring in a guy from lsu that's what i'm really getting at you bring in a guy from lsu or something big college you bring in a guy from the ifl at the end of the day even if the guy from lsu has more experience carries more name weight whatever the guys that are coming from the IFL have already been out of college for, you know, X many years. You know, some of these guys are vets, you know, and you don't really get that. I mean, yeah, like with COVID eligibility and stuff, you know, some guys are now having six-year college football careers. Like it's a normal thing. And I don't think it was before, but you know, these guys in the IFL, like they've been around, I don't want to say more professional environment. Cause again, these big colleges, again, like the, the facilities and everything, like it feels like a pro football team, but you know, these guys in the IFL, like you can't underestimate the fact some of them have been doing this for a long time. You know, arena football, you know, back when the AFL was the thing, and obviously they're, they're looking to revive that now. We'll see how successful that is. But back when the AFL was a thing, you know, and when it was really in its prime um, in, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, even mid 2000s, I'd say guys were making, you know, 10, 11, 12, even like 15 year careers in some extreme cases out of this league and you're not going to get that in college football. Now, I'm not saying that's the type of, you know, IFL player that the XFL is going out. Like I'm sure they want younger guys, but I'm just saying like there are guys in these leagues too and it's the same with the CFL and no one really brings that up where you know these leagues have been around long enough where guys can create, you know, multi-year careers and um I I think that is something that that really gets overlooked and we'll, we'll see how many guys that are brought into xfl camps you know how long they've been in the ifl for i imagine a lot of them will be younger you know guys that came out of college you know maybe went to a cfl camp did a year in the ifl now they're looking to get back to the outdoor game but again these are all just you know things that unless you really think about them you're not gonna it's never really gonna i don't want to say you're not gonna care about it but you're, you're not really gonna be engaging with it well obviously the league is living up to we're going to f- turn over every stone, look for every player possible. So that's what's great about this. I know we kind of ran away from it a little bit. and That's ma- mainly to my own doing here on steering questions in a different direction. But we'll, we'll kind of come back to the combine. So what is it that, it, you know, you're alluding to the weather and stuff. So what is it that we completely miss? Like us, the, obviously, there was no feed to watch it. 
there, you know, we didn't get to see much from social media, you know, as far as videos or anything to even give us much of a glimpse. So what is it that we should know from this IFL XFL combine that we haven't touched base on here that maybe the listeners would find intriguing? You know, we've talked a lot on the XFL side about their personnel stuff, the Jose Jeffersons of the world. Um, but I don't think we've talked a lot about, you know, the IFL side of that event away from the players. Um, and that's something that, again, yeah, unless you were really on the ground, you're not going to know about it, like a lot of these things. But like certain teams, you know, had more reps there than others. Just like now, I think every team was represented, unlike the XFL, from my understanding. Like there was someone there from every IFL franchise, unless I'm mistaken. But I, I saw, I, I think I saw every team logo there from the IFL. But with that being said, there were certain IFL teams who brought more people out there. Like I know Quad City. I'm good friends with one of their personnel guys, Omar Salters, and they had like, you know, five or six people out there, you know, just representing Quad City. They had like their head coach, assistant GM, you know, they they even had like their graphics guy, you know, the guy that does, you know, media for the team, everything like that. So so they had kind of a, a wider, I think, variety of people. And then there were other teams where maybe the coach wasn't present and they just had, you know, an assistant coach come. To, to try and help out things. I, you know, some of these IFL people were assisting and actually running the event. Whereas I think the XFL people were more, you know, observers and they were kind of just there to see again, the, the caliber of player and, you know, what interested them. Um, and that was also a difference because again, that, well, there were, the, <laughs> there were just less XFL people there. So maybe that goes without saying, but um, that was definitely, I think the biggest thing outside of everything else we've talked about or that I haven't already mentioned that was of note was like there were certain IFL teams. Now I obviously didn't get a head count of all the players. I didn't have a roster or anything. There was no access to that. Even for somebody like me, I think the only people who had that were like, there was like a tent for check-in. You know, I think that was really the only spot uh, where you could do that or, or find out, you know, who was there specifically. So I don't know, like if there were more players from certain teams represented, I'm sure there were like, again, I, I wasn't counting. I didn't know when there's 200 players there, you can imagine it's just hard to even find people that you know at all. Um, I obviously ran into a couple players that I had talked to previously, and it was nice, you know, finally meeting them in person and really hitting it off. But um, that too, like, you know, you just don't know how many guys there were from each team, but, you know, maybe that corresponds with how many player or how many personnel people or coaches an IFL team brought in. Maybe that means they have more players. Maybe it doesn't. Obviously, there were a lot of guys from the Vegas team there. Uh, a good majority, you know, seemed like all their starters were there, from my understanding. Like their quarterback was there. Um, they actually had two quarterbacks there, uh, I think. Daquan Neal being one of them, who, you know, was one of the better IFL quarterbacks a couple years ago, even just last year, I think. So he was there. Again, I'm, I'm not going to go and start naming names because there's way too many. But ultimately, yeah, I think those were the two things. Just certain teams had more people represented. And then I'm sure. Again, just gauging the environment, I'm pretty sure there were more players from certain teams there as well. So more than 200 players in participation. Yeah. It looked like it was only a couple hours. So I guess I'm kind of intrigued as to how do they make this happen on this field? Because when we look at the showcases or combines from what we've seen, they have an offensive session for the you know first couple hours or whatever, and then they go defense or defensive first and offense, however they decide to go. But usually it's a couple hours for one you know, side of the balls on the field at a time. But they also had special teams players. You know, we saw a bunch yep. of kickers, images yep. of kickers. 
that were in the McInerney there from the Rattlers, Irish International. So, I mean, looking at this, how did they make that all work for just a couple hours? Yeah, so there were two fields at this place. It was called Heritage Park out there in Henderson, um, not far from the Dollar Loan Center where uh, the Vegas Nighthawks play and obviously where they're having the championship game today. Um, And I'm pretty sure that championship started last year. I think it's a three-year contract, so they'll be playing in Vegas next year too. But anyway, um, they were at Heritage Park. We had the two turf fields at the park, um, the only two turf fields. One was for specialists, and the other one – was for you know the rest of the players but that wasn't the case for the whole time because what ended up happening was so they started off one side of the field was testing for all of the i guess what skill position players and you know offensive line defensive line um and then they had the specialists on the other field but there were only probably from what i could look at maybe a dozen specialists there uh, more than a ton but they had their own you know area on the field but see the specialists and it really at every kind of combine showcase event i've been to the specialist session finishes a lot quicker than, you know, the rest of these uh, positions, just because those guys, you know, are only doing so many things. Like it's a set sort of like if you're a long snapper, you know, punter, kicker, whatever, like you're just out there, you know, you're just getting reps in constantly. Um, whereas with the other positions, they like they start off with testing. So guys weren't even, you know, there wasn't even any really drills until the second half of the event. Guys were doing, you know, 40s and a couple of other things, you know, jumps, all the classic stuff you'd see at like the NFL combine or what they had at the XFL combine in Arlington last week. Very similar setup in that regard. I haven't actually brought up the XFL combine yet because I didn't really feel like I needed to, you know, but I I think they went off the general um, sort of flow from last week's stuff at this event. And then, yeah, so first half was kind of testing and then the specialists wrapped up and then they could use both fields once the specialists had gone so that's when they sort of started dividing things up by position and then you had a couple like you know wide receiver db matchups which i always love those are awesome by the way probably my most favorite thing i could do at any sort of showcase or combine is watching those guys you know just go one-on-one and get really feisty and and down to earth and the offensive defensive line stuff is, is fun too i wasn't watching that as much um and you know there was a couple I wasn't really looking at the quarterbacks either. That was kind of on the opposite side of the field where, you know, I was trying to stand in the shade because it was really hot and I didn't quite get over there. Um, but I could see it. Uh, the, the quarterbacks were working with, um, you know, coach Taylor, uh, who's out here with the San Diego strike force. But yeah, so, so that was ultimately, I mean, we started at nine and it was supposed to go till 12. I think we finished at 1130 because we ran out of water. Guys were just drinking a lot of water. I mean, obviously it was hot, right? We're in the desert. It's outdoors. There's barely any shade outside of one tent. There's like no shade. So, you know, that, that was tough. And then once we ran out of water, it was pretty clear. Like, you know, we had to shut things down. Now that's not a fault of anybody. Like they brought plenty of water. It wasn't a water shortage. It was just guys drank so much and myself included. Like I didn't bring a water bottle with me. I was out there on a day trip. I didn't even like pack a bag. So I was out there, you know, with the players just, you know, drinking from those Gatorade water bottles, which is kind of, I mean, that's a funny story too, but you know, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was another, again, little nitpicky thing. Um, th- that's no one's fault, but it did result in the event finishing a bit earlier than maybe I expected. Now, again, for, for all I know, that could have just been the time they wanted to finish. And I feel like they did everything they needed to do um, at the end of the day. And I'm also glad that I'm glad that they got the specialists, specialists excuse me, out there because I didn't know if they were going to be there or not. I didn't really find that out until the morning of. But yeah, all around, I mean, that, that was kind of the way things were, were set up for, for the, the duration of the time. 
you know, Evan, I appreciate your insight because obviously I have no clue other than the few things I could see on social media. And half of what you see is what you tend to believe and you could let your mind run with it. But getting insight from you allows us to have a better understanding of what the event really entailed. It's crazy to think there were so many players there, especially from teams that clearly don't have large rosters like XFL or NFL teams do. So that I find that really intriguing and obviously give an opportunity to a bunch of players. So thank you for sharing, you know, everything that you knew, just even your opinion on a lot of things, because I obviously went off track there a little bit. So my apologies, but you know, thank you. It really meant a lot. Absolutely, man. Hey, I'm, I'm glad, you know, someone is as interested as I am to talk about this stuff because look, I mean, the last thing I'll say here before we get going is, um, you know, this is a pretty niche market, right? The XFL, really any alternative football. But when you're talking about arena football, it's almost a tier below that. And to have, you know, a combine between two leagues. I mean, again, the, the amount of people that knew this was really happening and knew it was going on. I mean, it's it's few and far between. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, man, I'm, I'm happy to come and, you know, talk about it and, you know, give you information. Like, it's all good. It, it was a cool event to be a part of. I will say it was a a bit scattered. Like, I mean, I had free access, but you know, it was just testing and all that. So there were just a bunch of guys running around, you know, that it was, um, that's what it is at any showcase. Like it was like that in Arizona last year too. And I was there. So again, that's not a problem, but like, I'm just, I'm just kind of throwing things out there, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was still a good thing to be a part of. And again, you know, just seeing guys that I had, you know, known for maybe a couple of years now or interacted with, you know, kind of cool. And it just guys like, even guys that I didn't know who recognized me, they're like, geez, man, like you look awfully familiar. And I'm like, yeah, you probably follow me on Twitter. And they're like, yeah, that's probably where it's from. Uh, so, you know, having those interactions, I mean, I can't tell you how many guys came up to me saying that. And um, again, these weren't guys that I necessarily knew personally, but hey, like, you know, I was out there making a difference, you know, making myself known and, you know, that felt good ultimately. So I would encourage people to do the same thing if they have the opportunity. Well, definitely. I, I haven't had it to the extent you have, but I, you know, the one showcase I've been to and, and whatnot, it is, it's really cool to interact. Just it's behind the scenes stuff. You don't really get to see it's, it's a different level of taking in and connecting with people, but just really to see these players really putting on their best efforts to pursue the next level in achieving their dream is always an awesome thing. Always. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. But before you go, Evan, I always believe it's important to, why don't you take a moment and share where people can find you and your work? Because, I mean, obviously you do it for, uh, you know, a number of things. Um, So you're on social media and different websites that can find the work that you do. Yep. Twitter is just Evan underscore Willsmore. Uh, You'll find everything really you need to find on there. I mean, if you you really want to go do some digging, you can go to the individual websites. Um, you know, XFL news, uh, you know, draft diamonds, things like that. But I'm always, I'm always on Twitter, man. H- half my job is just, I mean, th- they say your network is your net worth. So half my time is spent on Twitter, just, you know, quote tweeting my articles and quote tweeting other people's articles and just getting information out there in general. So if you're interested in any alternative football stuff, you know, again, I'm, I'm mostly XFL, but I'll talk about anything, you know, when I need to. That's where you can find me is, is on Twitter. So. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Evan. Yep. It is hard to believe it took so long to connect with Evan and have him appear on the show. His dedication and work within the football community is something that should be applauded. Having the opportunity to sit down with Evan and learn about the IFL to XFL combine is a real treat. I look forward to the possibility of having him back in the future. Unfortunately, 
we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. One last thing. If you are interested in checking out our friends over at True Victory, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, PLAYER54, for 15% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.